Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio by Rashpixel.fm, the podcast that shows do-gooders, nonprofits, and businesses how to build win-win partnerships that raise money and change the world. This podcast is brought to you by the Cause Marketing Forum and Selfish Giving. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at CauseUpdate.com and SelfishGiving.com. Now on to today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Joe Waters and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. And of course on the line with me is Megan Strand. Hey Megan. Hey. How's it going? It is awesome. You know why? Why? Because for the first time in Cause Talk Radio history, we are having back-to-back guests from the Pacific Northwest. (laughs) So exciting. (laughs) Well, you know why? It's because they have no time or no interest in going to sporting events because it doesn't matter out there, right? (laughs) Is it football season already? That's right. (laughs) There's the the true fan. There's the true fan speaking. (laughs) Is it football season? (laughs) Our our football team got more home runs than yours last year. Oh, Megan, I don't know what to do. Thank goodness we have another man on the line here. And what a man he is. Holy Moses. He's a rugged outdoor man. That's right. Scott Welch, who is Global Corporate Relations Manager at Columbia Sportswear Company. Hey, Scott, what's happening, buddy? Hey, glad to be on the show. And just to remind you, in case you forgot, the Oregon Ducks did play for the national championship last year at college football. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, who could forget those ducks? Right? The Blazers, the Blazers might have had better days, but yep. uh, they're going to be back. Yeah, I know, I know. You guys stay hopeful out there. That's what I like to see. I like <laughs> to see people that don't lose hope. Hey, I'm a Red Sox fan. I've never lost hope, right? <laughs> hey, Ortiz, he's the man. That's right. That's for your 500 home, front, home runs, baby. You know, and what is it like? He's, he's something like, what is he, like 39 years old or something like that? 38? I mean, it's amazing at his age that he's having that type of production, but... Am but, I on the wrong show? Yeah, I thought we were going to be talking about cause marketing. <laughs> yeah, this is a, a sporting show. It's a, it's a Boston talk radio show, oh. uh, Megan. Uh, but, Scott, thanks so much for joining us. And one of the reasons we want to have you on is because uh, we saw and met you at Cause Marketing Forum uh, this past year. We actually had dinner with you. Uh, Megan was closer to you than I was, so I didn't get to be stimulated by your conversation, unfortunately. But... Um, you folks at Columbia are doing a ton of cause marketing, and you guys do a lot of different things. And one of the different one of the programs I was checking out was this program that you did with the National Park Foundation called Find Your Park. Could you tell that a uh, little bit about that program and some of the other things you folks have been doing? Sure, my pleasure. And I'd like to say before that that the forum was incredible. It was the first time I attended it, and I would urge anyone listening who hasn't make it a point to attend because no matter how much you think you know, you'll leave knowing a lot more. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate that. And also, just to tie the sports connection, I think what we try to do with Cause Marketing is try to build that same kind of passion that you hear with a hardcore sports fan. And if you do Cause Marketing right, I think it really enacts that same type of passion, emotion, and engagement. That's right. That's right. We say to all other fields, you hate hate us because you ain't us. (laughs) Right? There you go. So with the parks, um, well, first off, I'll start at Columbia Sports, where we, we really believe in cause marketing to the extent that the mission of my department is to create an emotional connection with our consumers, our retailers, and our employees. Mm-hmm. And we really feel that that emotion equals engagement. And when you're an apparel brand where your logo is typically worn basically over someone's heart, not to sound too cheesy, 
you really need to show that you can mirror their values and share their values or they're just going to choose to wear another brand that does a better job of doing that. Mm -hmm. So for us, we really feel that we needed to get involved in activities that supported what our consumers, retailers, and employees supported. And as an outdoor company, outdoors was really one key part of it. Um, we were fortunate enough to be contacted by one of our key accounts, REI Co-op. Hopefully everyone out there knows REI and mm. is a fan. And uh, both REI and Columbia shared a couple issues, and the outdoor industry in general shared a couple issues. One of those is that our average consumer was aging um, to mid-40s, early 50s, uh -oh. And our average consumer, frankly, was not very diverse. Um, mm -hmm. It was still basically your uh, middle-aged white male. Mm -hmm. And in today's world where consumer products are purchased 80% um, by females and 40% of the 18 to 30 population are people of color, we really weren't setting ourselves up for success or mm. sustainability. And so we got together and, and started trying to figure out how can we address this issue and introduce ourselves to these audiences in a real and genuine way, not just doing an advertisement or advertising in a specific magazine, but how could we introduce ourselves to people who are already trusted and have them introduce us back out to the larger population. At the same time, we wanted to figure out who else shared this issue. And National Parks, when we contacted them, we have been longtime supporters. They mentioned that less than one out of 10 visitors to a national park was the person of color. And one ranger actually jokingly said that outside of the summer, visitors to the parks are newlyweds or nearly deads. And, uh, <laughs> and that wasn't super positive for us. Um, so we thought, hey, you know, in today's world of social media, there is a ton of opportunity to do dynamic things at affordable prices that are genuine and real. And if you look out in the social media atmosphere, there's really a hundreds of people who have created their own brand out there mm -hmm. and in essence they are the news gatherers for their followers yep. and their followers look to them for guidance and for recommendations so we decided to host a, a really unique contest where we asked latino bloggers to apply to go on the first ever latino american expedition and bring groups that that group to a national park or national parks, outfit them head-to-toe in REI and Columbia, and put them on an adventure for a week. But we didn't want to recruit outdoor bloggers because that audience already knows us. We yeah. wanted everyone else. So we had mom bloggers, fashion bloggers, hair bloggers. And it's incredible how awesome this group was and also just the types of brands they have created for themselves. I so, mean, Scott, did, um, did everyone die? No, no one died. There were many well, you know, you send these people. I mean, you know, everyone talks about these mummy bloggers, but you know, it just doesn't work in the real world. You know, the weirdest, the, one of the one of the weird things that happened that was really ended up super positive is we had a group of of bloggers. The first year we did it, actually three years ago, we sent groups of bloggers to different national parks across the country, and we had a blogger and kind of their friends and families as a group. One group was in Olympic National Park uh, north of Seattle and happened to run into a New York Times reporter who I believe was on vacation and was just out hiking. And he was amazed because they were the first people of color that he had seen 
on his entire time there. And so wow. he walked up and he's like, what are you guys doing here? This is what we've seen. That could have went bad. That's, <laughs> no, that's serendipity right there. Yeah. yeah. And they were like, uh, yeah, we haven't seen any here either. And this is why we're here. And it ended up being a front page national story in New York Times. And wow. it's wow, really cool to uh, help build that. But more importantly than that, just having those bloggers, what we did is we told the bloggers, we're not telling you what to say. We're not telling you how many blogs to make. We're not telling you what you're supposed to say about our product. You be you. You already mm-hmm. are you. We're not trying to challenge your integrity or change what you do. Right. We trust that our product's going to work, and we hope that you're going to share your experience. And because it was genuine like that, it, it really went over great. And we had like 60 million media impressions that were generated by those bloggers. And that's now continued. We'll continue now for the third year this year. Wow. And that's coming up in October, right? Yeah, our third year is coming up in October. This year we broadened it. So this year we we have a group of multicultural millennials and not just bloggers, but YouTube stars. Um, you name your social media media and we'll probably have someone of prominence from there. Um, this year we're going to go to Colorado and we're going to be visiting two national parks. Um, the... I'm forgetting the name of it. Sorry. It's like the Great Sandy Dunes. And then we're going to be at uh, Mesa Verde, which is an incredible national park. Wow. So is it too soon to tell whether that millennial engagement on the blogger level is moving the needle for you? I mean, outside of media impressions and, and impressions, from a sales perspective or from any other, you know, whatever kind of metric you're you're looking at? But we, we haven't been able to uniquely track it. Um, we can look at the growth in certain areas because a lot of our sales are done through other retailers. It's not quite as easy to track who's making the purchase. And right. we don't really ask for a lot of demographic information on our e-com site. The more part, what we really wanted to gauge it was initially first for those impressions of getting the brand out there in a positive light and judging what the comments were and how people took it. Also, for us, REIs is a key partner, and anytime mm-hmm. we can partner with a key partner to satisfy a shared objective, that's always a great thing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for us, our, our initial goals for this weren't, weren't turning the cash, cash register on right away. The initial goal was to be genuine and try to build a friendship. Mm. I know well, it's going it, to take time. Let's face it, too, right? I mean, yeah. it's not something that you're going to do one year, and you know, you're not going to take PewDiePie out into the woods <laughs> and, you know, for one, for once, and suddenly, you know, the whole world's going to follow you uh, for something like that. But you know, one of the things I'm curious about, Scott, is talk a little bit more too about that challenge in the sense, like I work with a lot of business to consumer companies, right? And it's easy easier with them, I should say, because of the transactional stuff that you can do with the register, but essentially because of your partners, you're a B2B. And so you really need that partner, that REI uh, to partner with and stuff like that. But you don't have those register opportunities. How do you do cause marketing and still raise a lot of money by being a B2B? It's a great point. And and really to to amplify that, because the majority of our product in the States is purchased through a third-party retailer, we really need those retailers to partner with us to tell our story, because Mm. that's where that that consumer is seeing the Columbia story in most cases. And the way we do that, it actually started um, with our first ever cost marketing campaign 10 years ago. And the company up to that point had never dabbled in the cost marketing field. And um, as we were looking at what caused the support 
the Pink Ribbon campaign was obviously a big thing nationally and, and still is huge, but it was also a really big thing in sporting goods and in the outdoor industry. And all of our retailers carried broad Pink Ribbon collections from our manufacturing peers. So we thought, hey, that's, that's a space that we can get into. The company wanted to kind of put their foot in the pool. It, it was a cause that we wouldn't have to spend a lot of money educating a consumer about. They automatically knew what it was about when they saw it. But we also didn't want to be one, one of 40 collections in a Dick Sporting Goods mm, and hope nice. that we got good placement and hope that the store associate would walk the consumer over to us. We wanted those retailers to be a part of our initiative and for their store associates to have pride in the initiative and it be the only initiative that they were a part of. And so we, we really established a, a different way of cause marketing where we actually require our retailers to be equal partners to us. And the donation is not generated by a consumer purchase, but mm -hmm. it's generated by selling to that retailer. So if a retailer buys 40,000 units, for instance, then they're going to do a donation on 40,000 units, as are we. Ah, very good. Yeah, so instead of going down the consumer level and basing it totally on sales, you're basing it actually on what the business buys from you. Exactly, and now everybody's motivated. You know, everybody can be ed educate their associates. You can have pride in it. It gives these retailers a program that they don't have to do anything other than just carry the product. I, I love that approach, and it's it's sort of flipping it, the approach on its head because typically you have retailers going to vendors and saying, "Hey, we're doing this. If you want to buy into it, you have to be a part of it." So I love that you're kind of flipping that model. How do you communicate that to your end consumer, or do you? That's been actually that's the most challenging part. Um, what we've done primarily is, if you were to look at, say, a hang tag on one of the pieces, it'll say that Columbia and this retailer are proud partners of the National Breast Cancer Foundation, and we'll have a web link there. And then we have a, a landing page on Columbia.com that tells more of that story. And rather than really get into the story of the donation per piece, which is a dollar from us and a dollar from the retailer, what we talk about is the overall donation as well. So we've just exceeded a million dollars in donations through that And so our story is more about how many mammograms we provided, who our partners are, and try to elevate not only the initiative, but also our co-partners and our retailers. Fascinating. Now, didn't you also do some sort of try-on event in your footwear? Yeah, that was a, that was a, that's another very interesting story, um, and I, I I'm hesitant to take any credit for it because <laughs> I was initially an opponent of it. <laughs> that's great. But, uh, if, if anyone knows the Columbia story, um, you, you may or may not be aware that we are an apparel and a footwear company. And um, Columbia Footwear, for a time, we had had some changes and uh, we were upgrading our footwear and consumers just didn't realize the quality of footwear that we were producing. And as we started to build our accounts and start to get placement in specialty stores and hiking stores and more high-end stores, which is our goal, consumers that shopped at those stores just weren't used to seeing our brand and so mm -hmm. they simply weren't trying us on they were trying on solomon or merrill or a solo or one of the other brands at keen that they had typically purchased so our vice president of footwear said hey man i have faith in our shoes and all we need is people just to try them on so what if we did a donation every time someone tried on a pair of shoes mm, that's a good idea and i was like wow you know that's a cool idea but what you're also saying is we're going to ask these stores to keep track of how many times people try on our shoes. And if they do that, they're likely going to keep track on how many people actually 
purchase those shoes and if that's not a ratio that they're looking for wouldn't that be a risk to the company mm. and he's like no because i'm confident in this footwear and it's going to be a total positive and what's great about it is we have basically a, a little slap ball poster next to our footwear on the footwear wall at whatever store you'd be seeing it at would be the only shoe then in that store that says try on a pair of shoes and we'll give five dollars to bring a kid back to nature so mm-hmm. We've done it now fall and spring for, this is going to be our third year. And each year we've met our maximum donation to our partner. In the spring, we typically do Children in Nature Network. And in the fall, we do Big City Mountaineers. Oh, very good. And what's the max donation on that? Uh, typically, we do $25,000 because it's about a three-week program. Ah, very good. Yeah, I love, you know, uh, Megan, I don't know about you, but I love like action-triggered programs like that where you get the consumer to do something, you know, whether it's, you know, you see these people out here doing push-ups for people in the military. There was this fun thing in Boston a few years ago where uh, Puma did something with a treadmill in the front of its store and every mile you logged on the treadmill, they would donate and stuff. You know, so it was just like, you know, I love programs like that. And I I think it's such a a great opportunity, Scott, too, to like engage people and think like, gee, all I got to do is try on these shoes and you know five dollars goes to a good cause and five dollars is a big donation and if they wanted to i mean you could have tried on 50 pairs in one time there was no limit to how many you had you could try on (laughs) and did anybody do that uh, i think there was a few uh (laughs) came in and tried to push that and also it wasn't it it wasn't dependent upon a purchase so if you walked out of that store and didn't make a purchase that that donation still was made Mm -hmm. so are you a convert now I am a convert. I, I, I mean, it, it's been a really cool program, and we've got a lot of great feedback from specialists saying, mm-hmm. hey, you know, this was something totally different. We've never done it, and, and our consumers thought it was cool, and it was a really effective way for you guys to kind of differentiate yourselves or introduce yourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just still thinking, uh, Megan and Scott, too, is like, where is that connection? Because one of the things I always argue, Scott, is that the money is in the consumer and the employee. And, you know, it's great when you can do action triggering programs and purchase triggered programs and raise money that way, and it's very generous and stuff. But the, the real money, like, you know, the Kmart's of the world that raised $22 million or Lowe's raising $42 million for MDA over a number of years, it all comes from, like, point-of-sale programs, like asking the customer to give. Have you folks even thought of types of programs that you might use with consumers where they would give directly? Yeah, we've thought about it, and I, and I think it's been, you know, it's been kind of an ongoing conversation, and, and we haven't come to a, a final hmm. Verdict, and I, I can just tell you some of the talking points. One of those is that we've, we've slowly been building our own direct consumer channel, so with mm-hmm. our own Columbia branded stores across the country and yep. also our e com. So we've done some things on there. Our hesitancy in asking the consumer is that I'm a, I personally just have an issue with companies being a pass through for a consumer's donation mm-hmm. to a cause. Right. Because what are we doing other than taking their tax deduction? Yeah, um, right. To right, me, right. I think that we would have to, at the very least, match whatever that consumer donation was to feel good about it in any way. Mm-hmm. And we've thought about doing that potentially, especially around disaster relief, where yes. we yeah. always provided, we, we're usually involved because we make apparel that protects you from the elements. Mm-hmm. And, if, and our consumers are travelers and people who love the outdoors, so they're typically very sympathetic and, and ready to act. Mm-hmm. In that case, I would... 
I would feel okay if we matched that donation, mm. but I still have an issue with just being a pastor. Well, you know what's so great about you, though, is you have that foundation of giving within the company, because I think people, uh, a lot of people who do point of sale at the register, I think consumers are starting to ask the question, hey, what are you giving? You know, totally. what are you doing? And, you know, it is a great place to raise money, but the company also has to raise the bar. And, you know, I loved even a couple of years ago when the Boston Marathon uh, bombing happened, a supermarket chain here in Massachusetts, they asked for money at the register, but they immediately said, we're donating $100,000 up front, and, and we will match every dollar you donate. Wow. Uh, you almost the, never see that, though. Yeah, point that's right. Campaigns. No, and, but I, th- I think it goes to show, like, you know, the company is really putting their money where their mouth is. No, I agree. And I, I, yeah. I have my history. I was uh, in the nonprofit world for 12 years as a development director. So I've sat mm-hmm. on the opposite side of the desk. And, um, and my other issue with that just past through part is that when you're a nonprofit and you get a donation from, from an individual, that donation is valuable. But in some cases, that relationship and that potential becomes even more valuable. And mm-hmm. when you take away that opportunity for that individual to actually interact with the nonprofit directly, then you're taking away a potential resource from that nonprofit that could be big. Mm. No, I agree with something like that. Hey, uh, Scott and, and Megan, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but I just had a quick question I wanted to ask you in just thinking about this. What has Columbia learned from Patagonia about cause marketing? That's a good question. You know, because I think when we think of a clothing company that seems to be doing it right with their cause marketing, and they can either they can even do programs like "Don't buy this jacket," and have mm-hmm. <laughs> these you know these incredible results for the program. What are there things that you guys learn from Patagonia? Do you do you see them as kind of the gold standard out there of of people that are using cause marketing in a very effective and strategic way? I think that they, they're, they're a great example for who they are and what they do. Um, mm-hmm. They've got a few built-in advantages that, that are great for them. First of all, their CEO and their board are fanatics about giving back, yeah, so that right, always makes right, it easy for right. the rest of the it's company. It's very embedded in the company. It's, you know, it's, yeah, it's, they're yeah. a private company, so yeah. they don't have to deal with stockholders right. and the board. That's a good um, point. They're a yeah. single company, so they don't own... In the outdoor industry, most companies are part of a larger portfolio of brands. Columbia, for instance, owns Mountain Hardware, Prana, Sorrel, and Montreal. Mm-hmm. Vanity Fair owns North Face, Timberland. The list goes on and on. So most most brands are part of a larger conglomeration. So there's added difficulty there. Um, also, Patagonia has a fairly defined consumer base that is not super diverse in their political beliefs right. and yeah. opinions. Whereas yep. we at Columbia have everything from a leave no trace camper to a leave me alone. I want a road hunt from my pickup truck. Yeah. And right. they don't agree on anything. And even when we use words like conservation or environment in parts of the country, if you use those words, people are like you hippie tree hugger, what are you talking about? So right. Right. it's not quite as easy for us to have such a, a specific viewpoint mm-hmm. as Patagonia because our consumers share such a broad viewpoint and we're an international company and certain causes that are, are really big in Europe and Asia, like carbon, for instance, are still an argument in the United States. Mm. Well, and, and speaking of your cause programs, are you still involved with the breast cancer cause? No, oh, yeah, we're, we would never walk away from that. It's, it's last year, actually, our... Uh, our eyewear pink collection was our highest selling sportswear and outerwear for men and women for the entire month of October. 
Wow. Yeah, super cool. That's fascinating. Well, pink, it just seems like works. you have such Yeah, well, it seems <laughs> yeah. like you have such a strong foundation in the outdoors and, you know, getting kids outdoors and getting people to national parks and which makes perfect sense. So the breast cancer thing, clearly you've been doing it for over 10 years, so it's deeply embedded. I just I just wasn't sure if that was in the no, past and this is different, but no, it sounds like it's still part of the mix. Yeah, it's it's not exactly on on point with everything else we do, but it is to the fact that we really support health and, um, and staying healthy. And because this mm. is such a huge issue that affects everyone. And it's also such an important issue to our retail partners mm-hmm. and, and really what we learned, it's a super important issue to our employees. Um, yeah. we had for our, for the race for the cure several years ago, we had the largest employee team west of the Mississippi river in the country. Mm-hmm. Wow. March, we had almost a thousand employees march in the race for the cure. So, wow. It's super powerful, and, and a lot of what we want to do is if we can't engage our own employees, how could we expect to engage our consumers and our retailers? Yeah. Well, yeah. and that's another good question. Mm. What sorts of things do you do to engage your employees outside of doing walks and, and, and the like? Well, we do we do a couple things. Um, we, we have a volunteer program and an employee matching program. Anything that we do, we try to make sure that it's equitable globally because we have offices all around the globe. Um, we also have several strong initiatives that the company supports. So with most of our community investment from the corporate level, we're trying to get kids outside. We're trying to make sure there's outdoor education and we're trying to make sure there is an outside. But at each of our offices around the world, that might not be the biggest issue. And we want those offices to have the freedom to focus on whatever is the biggest issue in their own community. So what we do is we provide budget and direction and allow our offices around the world to create employee engagement activities and and build nonprofit partnerships that support those types of issues. Um, an example in India would be our India office really wanted to to sort of try to address the caste system and the untouchable issue and see if there were ways that we could support people who are untouchables and get them moving up in society. And a lot of people that were labeled untouchables were that way because of disease or poverty. And um, the group that was supporting them, their biggest need was medicine and food. So our India office, rather than go pull non-natives for a day, for instance, they spent an entire day using their business skills to try to get food and medicine either donated or provided wholesale to this group. Then they all, at their own volunteer, they all donated a day's pay to that organization, wow. which we would never ask them to do, right. but we then match that donation back to them. And that that specific partnership um, has really been a great partnership over time. And we had a, a tragic situation where we have a factory that we contract with in India for Mountain Hardware, where some factory workers were involved in an accident on a freeway. They were in a bus and they were hit by a truck. And of the 20 people, 10 were killed. Um, and five were permanently injured. And we immediately contacted the factory and said, my God, you know, how can we help? Is there any way? And and they said, you know, we're going to handle funerals and hospital costs, but we don't know what to do with these five individuals who are permanently injured and they're going to become untouchables. And we contacted the group that we had partnered with and they were able to develop a program and help those individuals and their families. And we could have never provided that assistance had that office not had the freedom to do what was most important in their region. Wow. wow. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Just goes to show you, though, the local focus really does work because then it becomes important to the employees and, you know, they can really see the difference that they're making. Absolutely. And the other thing I would add to that is the the real benefit we have at Columbia is we have this multicultural perspective because we're global. And so 
when we're trying to think of themes and initiatives and activations, when we can bring on people from different areas of the world and have them provide comment, it always leads to a better product. Mm. Fascinating. Well, Scott, yeah. this has been so interesting to learn more about Columbia, and I know our listeners have enjoyed it as well. Where can people find out more about you or about Columbia and your social responsibility initiatives if they'd like to do that online? Well, I almost wish we were talking like two months from now. We're right in the <laughs> middle of redoing our website. Um, you can find information right now if you go to Columbia.com. And for our community programs around the world, you can click our Giving Back tab, which is on the bottom of the page. Mm-hmm. We also have a Corporate Responsibility tab. But what we're going, what we're doing right now and working on is we're going to combine our Corporate Responsibility and our Giving Back because we really are a, a, the same department and we see our corporate responsibility as really including all of those elements. And it makes a lot more sense to tell that story as a whole versus piecemeal in different areas. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, we will include the the link in the show notes, but we will promise to update it when you have your yeah, uh, Scott, up. can, people, um, can fe- uh, people find you on LinkedIn or Twitter? Are you active on either one of those platforms? I'm um, I'm on both. I'm, I'm not a big tweeter. Oh, I mainly on. use that as a, a follower. Come on. That's, that's um, what Megan says. Come on. I'm not a big tweeter. Well, no, I'm, I work for corporate America, so I, I can't be – I, I got to be careful what I might decide to tweet at 3 in the morning when I'm watching a debate or a basketball game. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, we'll find you anyways on the internet. Stalkers will find you anyways. I've learned that. So. Hey, I hope you guys find me. You're a pleasure to hang out with. I, I, we should have dinner more often. I Absolutely. like that. I like that idea. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Thank you, Scott. How about you, Joe? Where can people find you online if they'd like to do that? Uh, people can find me online at selfishgiving.com, obviously, and check out my new cause marketing cheat sheet infographic that you can check out. And uh, you can find me minute to minute talking to Megan, but not to Scott, on Twitter at Joe Waters. <laughs> and you can uh, obviously visit me on Pinterest, pinterest.com, front slash Joe Waters. I'm sure there's plenty of pins on there from Columbia, but lots of other uh, percentage of sales purchase triggered donation programs on there for you to check out what about you megan where can people find you i'm also on twitter at megan strand and i tweet for the cause marketing forum at tweet cmf and you can find today's show notes at causeupdate.com as well as selfishgiving.com as joe just mentioned and of course you can find cause talk radio on itunes we do recommend you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss fabulous episodes like this one and on behalf of scott and joe and myself i'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of cause talk radio And we'll talk to you next time.